welcome back to the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the letter of James. Now, we live in a world that tells us what to think day by day. Is that something a Christian should just live with? Well, James in this letter, he wants to warn us about double-mindedness, living as if we are a Christian and a non-Christian at the same time. So let's dive in and hear what he has to say. Come back with me to where we were last Sunday. Come back with me to that door that we miss oh so much. As we're queuing for coffee, as Ken is smiling to us, beckoning us forward, suddenly two people walk through the door. One smells of money, the other just smells. Who do you go talk to? Who do you let get in the queue ahead of you? Who do you invite to sit with you and the family as 10.30 rolls round? Who do you invite back home for Sunday lunch? See, that's the scenario that we thought about last week. And that's the scenario James presents to us in James chapter 2. James has said, plain and simple, that Christians must not show favouritism. Just have a look at verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. And last Sunday we said there were two big reasons why valuing some over others is a big issue. The first was that we, don't, that we misunderstand who is really rich. In effect, we, we don't grasp God's great plan. The great plan of verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Well, two big reasons why favouritism is wrong. Firstly, we misunderstand who is really rich. That's what we saw last week. And secondly, well, that's the second half of this section. We're going to look this evening at verses 8 to 13 of James chapter 2. Let me read for us James chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 so we can keep it all in context. Here we go. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you sit there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So this evening, we're going to be looking at the second reason why favouritism is wrong, the second reason why valuing some over others is a big issue. 
And the issue is that we forget who we are. Now, perhaps last Sunday you felt a bit convicted about favouritism. Perhaps you felt that you would try your hardest to change your ways. But how important do we really think it is? Next time those doors open and someone walks in, I'll, I'll try and speak to them. It's a simple yet small behavioural change. Something that would be good to do. But James holds no punches. In fact, he says it's not just a small behaviour change. It's not just something that doesn't matter that much. Have a look at verse 9. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Ouch, James, that's pretty harsh. Surely it doesn't matter that much. James rattles our cages, doesn't he? Favouritism is not just a bad idea, it is sin. How so? Well, it all comes down to who we are. Have a look at verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you're doing right. See, James is talking about the royal law, the law that belongs to the king, the law of Christ. And as Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, the most important law is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now we're very good at giving ourselves an easy time, aren't we? If we were to draw a line, a line that divides those who are good and those who are bad, we tend to put ourselves above the line. When I was younger, I remember asking my parents for a biscuit. In fact, me and my friend Tim asked for a biscuit. Just one biscuit was the response. So we went to the tin above the fridge and inside we found a whole five biscuits. Well, what were we to do? It had been a long day, so two biscuits each sounded like a good idea. But then my friend pointed out, it'd be silly to just leave one of them there. Surely it would be better to empty the tin. It would help my parents if we got rid of the old biscuits and we left space for the brand new ones. And with that, he took the third. My parents, in a a teachable moment, came in, found two boys with biscuits in their hands and they were not annoyed, but disappointed. It's the worst thing a parent can say, isn't it? But I remember, oh so clearly, that I was basically good in that situation. Tim was the one who was bad. Even though I'd broken the rule, I'd had two. I wasn't as bad as Tim, he'd taken three. On the line, Tim was the one who was bad. I was the one who was good. I'd only had two. We're very good at giving ourselves an easy time. But just imagine the scene was a bit more serious than that. Imagine that we're in the courtroom of the judge. All rise. And in the dock is a man who's been convicted of murder. How do you plead? Well, yes, judge, I I know I killed that person, but I'm really a very nice man. I help old ladies cross the street. I I give my money to the poor. I, I even talk to those people who knock at my door during dinner to sell me double glazing. Where would that man be on the line? It just wouldn't stand, would it? Being good 99% of the time just doesn't cut it. Just mostly keeping the law doesn't count. And that's James's point here. That's the same scene that James gives us in verses 10 
and 11. Just have a look at verse 10 with me. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That just shatters any impression we have that 99% okay is all right, doesn't it? It brings us down with a bump. It, It shatters us. Just like one chip in a windscreen, suddenly the whole screen is gone. If you stumble at just one point, you're guilty of breaking all of God's law. No matter if you've managed to keep the rest of it, one mess up, one slip, and it's all over. The issue is we give ourselves an easy time and we forget that we are lawbreakers. As I said, we forget who we really are. And we set standards for others that are much higher than ourselves. As we look at others around us, we hold them to a much higher standard than we follow. Just take that two metre social distancing rule that we have in place at the moment. As you walk around outside or as you peruse social media, we're able to spot a a two metre violation in a heartbeat, aren't we? But the moment that we break that rule, the moment that we violate the rule, it doesn't matter that much. Oh, there's a good reason why. Hmm. It's just a silly example, but it makes the point, doesn't it? If we were on the other side of the doorframe, if we were the ones walking into church for the first time, we'd want to be welcomed, wouldn't we? We'd love people to ask us to sit with them. But we can so easily look down on others when the situation is reversed. So what's the solution? What does James want us to listen and do in light of this? Well, it's there. It's right there in verses 12 and 13. Let me read them for us. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We've seen that law that gives freedom before, haven't we? Do you remember back in chapter one? James essentially wants us to realise who we are, to remember that we deserve judgment, to speak and act as if that is going to happen, to remember that we cannot live up to God's expectations, but to also remember that we have been shown mercy. Only God's mercy can triumph over God's judgment. And that's what happened, isn't it? That's why James starts his chapter off the way he does. Do you remember verse 1? My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. As our glorious Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he took the judgment that we deserve and he paid it in full. God's mercy triumphed over God's judgment. God showed his mercy to poor us. And we've been shown mercy, so therefore we should show it to others. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. So what does that look like? What difference does that make? What does that add to last week? Well, as I've said, James wants us to remember who we are and he wants that to make a difference. So the next time that someone walks in through those double doors at Hobbs Hill Woods, we'll remember that we were poor in the eyes of the world in comparison to the glorious Lord Jesus. But we'll remember that he stepped down. We'll remember that he served us. Poor little us. We'll remember that he showed us mercy. And so, as we look at the person who's just arrived, we can see that we're all poor, but in Christ we've been made rich. 
So as we draw the line and decide who goes above it and who goes below it, we need to remember where we really ought to be. That kind of thinking, that view of the world, well, it's revolutionary, isn't it? It means that we can show mercy, we can show love to all sorts of people, no matter their class, their clothes, their accent, their job, their education. Whoever the person, we can show them the care and love shown to us. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. So tying this whole section together, Jesus wants us to not look at the outward appearance, but to remember God's plan. And he wants us to remember who we are and remember what Jesus has done. Well, hopefully that gave us some things to think about. Join us again next week. Hey, baby.